Scott Graham. God bless you. Well, if you are not having fun being saved, you need to get saved. Because this is life. This is abundant life. This is this in, in him we live and move and have our being. Everything good in my life is because of him. Amen. Don't I don't I don't know if folks feel sorry for us sometimes. I don't I don't get it. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm living just like I love to live. This is it, man. There's I'm not shopping around for a better offer. This is it. This is it. And I'm so delighted to be here tonight. And uh, oh, there you are. It's gonna be a little funny to preach like this, but at least nah, there you are. I told I leaned over Brother Glynis. I said it's like the Scripture says, "They hid as it were their faces from me." And I know you're there, but it's a little hard to see. These lights kind of make you a blur. But it is wonderful to worship with you tonight. Thank you to your good district superintendent. Man, what a message last night! What a word. If you weren't here, you need to pick up CD, DVD, whatever you're comfortable with to hear what your leader said to your district last night. Amen. Brother Hodge has been so kind to me. Thank you for your gracious kindness. In spite of the fact that you rub my nose in it when it's 70 degrees in San Diego and it's not in St. Louis. He, he's, he's an equal opportunity, though. He'll get me in the winter when it's below zero and in the summer when it's over 100. He gets me both times. But it is wonderful to be with you, sir. Thank you so much. And the district board, thank you for all your kindness. I don't know if Brother Bear is out here today, but I I'm, I'm, I'm marvel just once again at, at the gift that God has given him and the gift he's given the church through him. And I, I'm, I'm, I left here today just, we're one God people. If you weren't here to hear that, you don't necessarily understand that. But I, I, it is a little discouraging. I just kind of hope I can remember where I've parked my car. And, and he quoted 746 verses of Scripture and referenced every one. And, uh, and, and I really got tickled. I don't know where he's at. When he rattled off about eight references in a row. Hebrews 2, 1, 3, say four times. And then he said, check them out yourself. I didn't even remember what book he said, you know. Check them out myself. Yeah, I'd be glad to. I have to get the tape to do it, but I'll try. It was wonderful. And Brother Kleindent's ministry of faith, I'm so grateful to be here with him. And I am very honored to have my wife with me. And so wonderful to have that beautiful lady who has shared 24 years of life's journey with me. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And when you meet her and see her, you will say, that guy married up. And you would be correct, sir. Amen. I'm going to read tonight from Job chapter 35. I'll read one verse of Scripture from Job 35. I will read one verse from the 32nd Psalm, Psalm 32 and 7, Job 35, and verse number 10, and then Psalm 32 and 7. I will warn you in advance. I figure to get a little excited about what I'm going to say. And it'll be a lot of fun if you do, too. Job 35 and verse number 10. Job 35 and verse 10 says this. But none saith, where is God my maker? Look at this characteristic of him. 
who giveth songs in the night. Ooh, I like that about my Jesus. When it gets dark out, in the scariest season of my life, when I can't see what's coming, and I'm a little bit uncertain in those moments, in the nighttime, he shows up on the scene and he gives me something of value. He gives songs in the nighttime hours. Psalm 32 and 7. Psalm 32 and 7 says this. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. With the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach on the subject, Victory Has a Song. Victory Has a Song. If you would be so kind to put your Bibles down, your cell phones away, and if you would be gracious to lift your hands and lift your voice and ask God to minister in this place tonight, would you pray out loud like a bunch of Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostals? Jesus, we need your glory to visit us here tonight. I pray, oh God, you'd order and direct everything that happens in the next few minutes. Let the anointing break every yoke of bondage off the necks of your people. In the name of the Lord, I pray you bring deliverance into this house. Break depressions and break discouragements. Break the yokes off the necks of your children tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. The Lord bless you tonight. Amen. I was preaching some season back in a different district and, and the church where I was ministering was, had a, um, had this, a very lovely evangelist quarters that I was able to stay in. It was a beautiful place. They prepared there with a little living room and a a little kitchenette and a bedroom and a bath. It was very nice. It was much larger than the first apartment my wife and I shared. But then again, that speaker is a little bit larger than the first apartment we had. But the the, the church had, like most of us, had, had, they, had, they had added on and they had moved this and changed that and shifted this and moved that wall and added this and deleted that. And the first thing you know, uh, there was a very unique aspect to this evangelist quarters that um, that I don't think probably they planned when they first started out. I've stayed a lot of them. I'd never been in one quite like this. And that was that the door to my my little my room there, my little apartment I was staying in, the door to get out of my room opened into the pastor's office. Just had never seen that before. That was a little interesting. Because you didn't ever feel like you could leave without checking to find out if it was okay. And, and it's just a strange feeling to walk to the door of your room and knock to find out if you can leave. Um, on Sunday morning, I got ready for church and I came out there and I, I, I knocked on the door to see if I could go out. He said, come in. And then I was really confused. I didn't know if I was going or coming. My dad told me that as a teenager and I was bearing fruit right there. I didn't know if I was going out or coming in. So I did both. And I stepped in his office. The pastor said, Brother Graham, why don't you have a seat over there? He said, I want to tell you something that happened to me recently. I said, yes, sir. And so I sat down. He began to relate to me an incident that occurred 
uh, in his life just a few weeks before at a, on, a, on an airplane at a, at a major airport near where he lives. He, he, he was boarding a flight in the middle of the week, and, and, he, and he, he walked down the aisle. There was a gentleman seated in the seat by the window. He took the seat there by the aisle next to him, and then they had a very predictable conversation. Now, if you've not flown much, let me explain that particularly during the week when businessmen are traveling, when you sit down on a plane, you have a very predictable conversation. It goes like this. Hi, what's your name? I'm Fred. What's your name? I'm Sam. Where are you from, Fred? I'm from Hoboken. Where are you from, Sam? I'm from Albuquerque. I'm good. What do you do, do, Fred? I sell widgets. What do you do, Sam? I make widgets. And about 30 seconds after that, Frank and Sam probably can neither one tell you the other one's name, where he's from, or what he does. It's just this little conversation we have. So they're playing out their little conversation. Hi, what do you do? My name, what do you, what do you do? And, and, and my friend, of course, said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And, and he said, oh, that's a little interesting. You don't run into that real often. He said, what kind of church do you pastor? And he said, well, I pastor a United Pentecostal church. He said, Brother Graham, when I said that, the man kind of turned around and looked out the window of the plane. And he said he got kind of a faraway look in his eye. And he said the words more to himself than to my friend. He said, it's been a long time. He said, I looked over at him. I said, oh, I, I, I said, did, did you used to, to attend a United Pentecostal church? And he said, oh, no, no, I, I, I didn't. I'm not, didn't, didn't, no, never, never have, don't know anything about, it, no. It's okay. He said, did your family used to attend a United Pentecostal church? no. He said, I, I didn't grow up in a church-going family. He said, I, I don't guess except for weddings and funerals and maybe Easter now and then. I had been in church two or three times in my life. We didn't ever go to church. Okay. Did you have a friend? You know, he's desperate. Now, what's the point? What's been a long time? The man turned to him and said, well, preacher, he said, uh, I've got a story to tell, but it might take a little while. It won't take me that long. Don't panic. But he said, it might take a little while. My buddy said, well, we got a long flight. I'd love to hear it. He said, well, preacher, I, he said, there's something in my background. You may have never met anybody that's been quite where I've been. I've got a road that I've traveled that you, you, you just don't run into very often because he said, you see, I was a POW in North Vietnam during the war over there. So I was a pilot. I was shot down and I tried to escape and they captured me and incarcerated me. And he said, I was, I spent time in several different camps, including a season at what infamously became known as the Hanoi Hilton in Hanoi, North Vietnam. He said, preacher, just let me take it from somebody that was there. He said the history revisionists can say what they want and the propagandists can try to make it politically correct. But I'm telling you, it was horrific. He said, I went through stuff that I'd rather not even think about to this day. He said, I had limbs dislocated. I had bones that were broken. I was shocked with electrical cords. I was beaten. I was tortured. I was kept in a little cage where I never could stand up fully. And, and they fed me little bowls of rancid soup that was just enough to keep me alive, but never enough to satisfy my hunger. He said, my My only companion there were the rats that came in my cage if I could keep them from chewing on my open sores. He said it was a terrible experience and I still wake up at night with nightmares about what I went through there. All in all, he said, it was something I would not wish on my worst enemy. He said, but preacher, he said, just down the hall from me in his own little cage... There was a United Pentecostal Church, young man. 
Now, my, my, my friend said, well, my goodness, that's amazing. He said, what, what was his name? He said, I, I don't know his name. He said, in fact, we, we tried a little hard there because of the conditions we were under in that camp. We, we tried not to know too much about each other for fear that we would divulge information that might be harmful to the other. He said, I, I don't know his name. He said, well, he said, do you, do you know what he looked like? He said, I was going to take him to general conference and walk him up and down the hall and just see if we could spot the guy, you know. He said, no, I never saw him. I never laid eyes on him. We were kept separate from one another. And, and by, when, they, when they took me elsewhere, he said, I never, I never saw him. He said, well, 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 sir, I have to ask the question then. He said, if you don't know what he looked like and you don't know his name, how is it you know something about his religious background? He said, oh, he talked about that a lot. He said, and here's the thing, preacher, about him that will always stand out in my mind. He said, the most amazing aspect of that man was this. He said, every night when it got dark out, no matter how bad he had been beaten, no matter how lonely he felt, no matter how scared he was, no matter how much they tried to convince him he'd never see home again, no matter what he had gone through, when it got dark out at night and the enemy got down the hall just a little bit, you would hear that man start to sing. And he said, Preacher, I still remember the song he sang. He said, I don't know if you know it or not, but he sang this song every night. I can still hear it. It was called Victory in Jesus. Do you ever hear it? My pastor friend looked at him and said, Not only do I, do I know it, we still sing it at our church. He said, man, when I said that, tears welled up in his eyes, started trickling down his cheeks. And he said, preacher, let me tell you something. He said, I don't know his name, but I can tell you what everybody in that prison camp called him. Everybody that lived on that little row of cages, everybody that ever heard him sing had one name for it. We all called him Victory. And at that point, my pastor friend said, he turned around and he pointed at me and he said, Preacher, I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you stand for. I don't know what your church teaches, but I'll tell you what I know. I know victory had a God because victory always had a song. Did you hear what I said? They could beat him, but he had a song. They could torture him, but he had a song. He might feel lonely, but he had a song. It might be dark out, but he had a song. And he said, one thing I know, as long as he was singing, he still had a God. I don't know who's running these monitors, but if you can take the hair off the top of my head, it'd be wonderful. I'm preaching to somebody tonight that you may, you need to adopt this testimony. You may feel like a prisoner yourself. You may have come here locked up in a maze of hurt and confusion. You may feel alone. You may feel abused. You may be hurt by somebody close to you. You may not have any money. You may be out of a job. You may be feeling lonely. Your marriage may be broken up. You may be bruised and afflicted. 
You may be scarred and wounded. You may have come to this service from the very gates of hell. And you may be going back to live there again. But let me give you good news tonight. You've got a name that hell can't take away from you. You've got an identity that cannot be stripped from you. You need to rise up in this camp and say, devil, get this straight. My name is victory. And I've got a God that gives me songs in the nighttime. Somebody let your faith hear this. You've still got a name. You're still more than a conqueror. You're still a champion. You're still a blood-washed, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, holy-living, apostolic, Pentecostal, and nothing in life can take that away from you. I wish somebody would let it ring from here to hell and back. Devil, you may have had the upper hand for a little while, and it got dark for a little while, and I sat down for a little while, and I got silent for a little while, but I've still got a God. I've still got a God. I've still got a God. Laugh at her if you want to, but you're not living in her prison cell. Question that if you want to, but you're not going through what she's going through. Thank God for somebody with enough faith to say, My identity is not determined by my circumstances. Who I am is not defined by where I am. I may be walking through the valley, but I'm still a victor. I I may be walking through sickness, but I'm still a victor. I may be walking through a trial, but I'm still a victor. And can't nothing take that away from me. I've still got a God. My name is not defined by what I'm going through. Paul, what should we call you, son? I'm troubled on every side. But my name is not distressed. I'm a little perplexed, but my name is not in despair. I'm a little persecuted right now, but don't call me forsaken. And I I may be cast down, but my name is not destroyed. I'll tell you what my name is. My name is Victory. My name is Victory. My name is Victory. <laughs> and the devil thought he had me, but I'm still singing on Wednesday night. And the devil told me it was over, and it got dark out. But my God showed up on time and gave me a song in the nighttime. All right. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
Man, I'm telling you, somebody's going to shake something off their neck tonight. Somebody came in here with heavy shackles on their feet, and you couldn't dance, and you couldn't run. But there's a preacher telling you tonight, your circumstances can't keep those things on you. You can shake those things off. There's an anointing here tonight to break that stuff off of your life. See, you'd be sitting a minute if you want. I, I just believe that victory is, is God's plan for us. I refuse to accept that God intended for His people to feel beat up all the time. I refuse to think that God intended for you to be abused every day of your life. I refuse to believe that God's kids are to be haunted by thoughts of suicide. I refuse to believe that God planned for His kids to have to rely on prescription meds to sleep through the night and another dose to get them through the day. I see I upset some of you right there. I'm not talking about medical conditions. I'm just talking about the fact that God said, let me tell you what I got for you. I got joy unspeakable and full of glory. I got peace that passes understanding. I got some stuff the doctor can't write a prescription for. Will there be valleys? Absolutely there'll be valleys. But David's greatest victory came when he was in a valley. I just refuse to believe that God designed you for second place in a two-horse race. I read too many things like I'll make you the head and not the tail. I read too many things like the enemy will come in against you one way, but he's going to go out seven ways. I read too many things like no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I read too many things like all around me there are songs of deliverance. I wish somebody would receive this right now. In the midst of your trouble, there's a song. In the midst of my sickness, there's a song. In the midst of my dilemma, there's a song. Boy, somebody's just got to reach out there and say, I'm surrounded by all kinds of trouble. But there's something else out there. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I was preaching in a church located between the oceans and uh, during the worship service, pastor leaned over to me and he said, see a little gal down there and down here in the in the in the altar area, there's a, a very just, just, you know, lovely, elegant looking lady, middle aged gal down there. She just prays to God. She just, you know, she. Now, she's not having a, a, a bombastic fit. She's not sticking bobby pins in the drywall. She just prays to God. I, I have a theory about why some folks have those explosive fits. It's because they don't do anything for six months. And, and, and it just kind of all saves up till one night they do physical damage to the building. And I, I think God might be more pleased if you came in whether you had a bad day or a good day. I think God might be more pleased if the people of God just came in saying he had a good day and this is all about him anyway, so I'll just bring a sacrifice of praise. 
whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or Tuesday afternoon, from the rising of the sun to the going down to the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So she's just down there just, just praising God. That's, 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 that's beautiful. He said, yeah, but you don't know her story. He said, I do know her story. He said, she is not from my church. She is from this section. It was a, a sexual rally we were having that Friday night. And he said, her pastor called me with her permission, asked if I'd talk to her tonight, try to give her some advice. He said, let me tell you what's going on in Sis's life. He said, Sis and Hub have five kids. And she got home from church last Sunday night. This is Friday, previous Sunday night. They got home. They melted some, some, some Velveeta over some Doritos and handed it to the kids, put them to bed. He got up next morning and left for work. She got up to get the Cheerios out, put it on the table, send the kids off to school. She found the note on the table. You can have the house. You can have the kids. You can have the car. I'm taking my truck. You'll never see me again. And he was gone. She hadn't seen him since. Didn't show up for work. She didn't know where he is. He's gone. Here she is. She's got a mortgage. She's got five kids. She's got unemployment situation. She's got a husband that abandoned her. She's got questions. She's got fears. But she's got something else. Because you just know every devil out of hell said we don't have to worry about her tonight. She'll sit on the back row and suck her thumb and just hope somebody comes up and holds her hand. And instead that sweet lady walked in and said, I got a mortgage, but I got a God. And I got questions, but I got a God. And I got problems, but I got a God. And he gives me songs in the night. I wish somebody would confuse hell right now and say, I thought I had that one shut down. I thought I had his praise stifled. But here he is in camp meeting saying, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. See, I just... Oh, I'm going to blow a gasket. When I was a kid, I grew up in, in southeastern Illinois, and, and, and this may have been very regional to where, to where I was. I, maybe this didn't happen everywhere. I don't know. I'm 45 years old, so this would have been going back 40, 30 to 40 years ago, something like that. And, and, but I just remember when I was a kid, in our area at least, maybe it's our church. I, I don't know. We were all inbred or something. I don't know. All I know is our standard greeting... And that day in that area was not, praise the Lord, which has become for us, hi, how are you? We don't even mean it anymore. This is, this is Scott Graham's pet peeve number 26. Okay? It drives me up the wall. We don't even mean it. We don't mean praise the Lord. We don't even think about the Lord. It just means hello. Now, this is just me. I'm not telling you you're wrong. Do it. I don't do it. I've quit. I'll say, God bless you. It's great to see you. God be with you. Because I've tested it. Folks don't mean it. They'll come up, shake your hand, say, praise the Lord. And I go, hallelujah. And it scares them half to death because they weren't really expecting me to. So I quit. When I was a kid, that is not what they asked you. When I was growing up, they would ask you, do you have the victory? Anybody remember that? And, 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 man, dear, dear, dear sister little May Satterfield, my home church, weighed 98 pounds soaking wet with rocks in both apron pockets, would shake my hand before every service. She'd just come up and say, do you have the victory? If you need to sit me down, I will submit. But I lied to that woman more times than I can count. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because she said, do you have the victory? And I said, oh, yeah. Whoa. Lying through my teeth. So one particular Sunday night, she met me at the back door. I was about 50. She met me at the back door, shook my hand. Do you have the victory? And I don't know what happened that night. I was, I was overwhelmed with a sense of honesty. And I looked right at her and said, not a bit. And that sweet little lady, I'd never seen her raise her voice nor do anything violent, snatched that hand out of mine. That, that hand with those blue veins sticking out about two inches, you know. It's like an IV paradise just waiting to happen. She, just, she snatched that thing out of my hand. I said, not a bit. And she just reached up and got the short hair on the back of my neck and said, then we're going to go get some. She marched me down to the front of the church, put my knees on the floor, slapped that bony hand on my head, and started talking in tongues. Because she said it doesn't make any sense to come to a house of victory and not leave with a little... She said it doesn't make any sense to come in depressed and leave depressed. It doesn't make any sense to come in discouraged and leave discouraged. If you're going to come to a house of victory, you might as well get a little taste of victory. Come on, somebody, it doesn't make sense to come to camp meeting and drag yourself back out of here to your car. You need to rise up on your hind legs and say, devil, get it straight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Do you hear me tonight? Sometimes we almost feel guilty. Because we don't feel victorious. Don't always feel like shouting. Don't always feel like singing. I don't always feel like preaching. Sometimes I don't feel like going to church. You're the camp evangelist? You don't feel like going to church? Well, I did tonight. You give me that sanctified look like you're so holy you can't take a bath because the water parts when you start to get in. But I'm telling you, there's days I do what I know is right regardless of how I feel. There's just sometimes you have to go, I'm not governed by what I feel. I'm governed by what I know. And here's what I know. He will never leave me or forsake me. Here's what I know. He's good all the time. Here's what I know. My God shall supply all your needs. He Ah, you just gotta. It's not about what I feel. It's not about what I feel. Because God did not tell you you had to win victory. Your job is just to celebrate the victory that He has already won. Psalm 98 and 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For He hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm hath gotten Him the victory. 
You say, well, why am I supposed to celebrate? Because he's victorious. Because I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. And I get to share and partake in what he's won. Somebody needs to hear this right now. Victory is your reality. It is not your reaction. Victory is your status. It is not your situation. Victory is your possession. It is not your possibility. Victory is your inheritance. It is not your emotions. Victory is your birthright. It is not your mood. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Whether you're sitting or standing doesn't matter to me, but you get to help me preach for the next few minutes. Because I want you to shout every time I get to the right point. I want you to shout the words, He can. See, here's the message tonight. I can't conquer this habit, but I can't heal this disease, but and I can't put my family back together, but and I can't reach that backslidden child, but and I can't forgive this sin, but and I can't see my way out, but He can. He can. He can heal. He can deliver. He can give songs. He can see me through. That's what he's doing. So what do we do? Sing when it gets dark out. When your situation looks so dark that you can't imagine a way out, sing anyway. When everyone around you is throwing in the towel, sing anyway. When the devil tells you it's hopeless, sing anyway. Sing when you're sick. Sing when you're discouraged. Sing when you're hurting. Sing when you're lonely. When you're tired. Sing when you're down. Sing when you stumble. Sing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. When you fall. Sing. You say, preacher, I made a mistake. I fell. I got nothing left to sing about. Why should I sing when I fall? Oh, thank you for asking. Because the Bible has already told me that when you fall, it's the wrong time for the enemy to sing. Rejoice! Not against me! Oh, mine enemy! When I fall! I may be bloodied and I may be bruised and I may be hurt, but count on it. I'm getting back up and I'm going to be there on Sunday. I'm getting back up and I'm going to be there on Wednesday. I'm getting back up. And just when the devil thought it was safe to go back in the water, I'm going to sing again. I'm going to sing again. I'm going to sing again. Oh, wait, 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 just don't move, don't move, just listen. I know some of you think right now, but preacher, I don't feel anything. Oh, you're talking about joy. Joy comes in the morning. The song comes at night. The song.
strong is what keeps me going until the joy comes back. Oh, that got right over your head. You just keep dancing till the joy comes back. Just keep praising till the joy comes back. Just keep running till the joy comes back. Just keep singing till the joy comes back. Sing right through your tears and joy comes in the morning. Chair, the chair out here. See me. See, I'm convinced that the devil would like nothing better than for joy to just quit singing, for victory, for victory to just quit singing. That's what he'd love for that. Here they were, Paul and Silas, sitting there in the Philippian jail, bleeding, beat, wounded, and they ain't done nothing wrong. I mean, they're only in there for teaching Bible studies and cast down devils. Here they are, feet fast in the stocks, stripes on their back. And you're not telling me every devil that ever came out of hell didn't show up for good God, isn't he? Yeah. Where is he now? Missionary journeys. Macedonian call. Yeah. This is what you get. Good God. Serve God. Give him everything. Be faithful. Look what happens. Lose your job. Good God, isn't he? Pay your tithes, give the missions, get laid off. Good God. Serve God, minister to folks, kid backslides. Good God, isn't he? Good God. Good God. Here they are. Silas goes, Paul says, All right, old fearless leader. Now what? He says, Saul, or Silas, he says, Look around, son. What do you see? Bars, guards, rats, criminals. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, you could have been rats. I mean, you got a better end of it there, you know. Oh, Paul says, Silas, look around again, son. Surely you see something else. Thick bars. Mean guards, hungry rats, very distinguished and intelligent looking group of criminals. Paul says, Silas, um, I realize you didn't have the benefit of my formal religious training. I know that Old Testament, Silas. Psalmist said, that's not all we're surrounded by. The psalmist said, when you get in spots like this, he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. And Silas says, we're going to sing? Paul said, not yet. Why not yet? It's not dark enough yet. Because Job said he don't do his best songwriting until it gets dark out. And Mickey's big hand started ticking up toward 12. And Paul looks aside and says, start warming up the pipes, son. It's almost concert time. Really? Yeah. Start me, 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 me. 
We're going to sing about the stripes. We're going to sing about the stocks. What are we going to sing about? Gloom, despair, and agony on me? What are we going to sing about? No, no, no. We're going to sing praises to God. And at midnight, when it was dark out, feet in the stocks, stripes on her back, surrounded by, it wasn't a choir with them. Pastor wasn't there. It wasn't camp meeting night. And it wasn't Sunday night with somebody on the base going, do, 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 do. Wasn't no worship leader going, come on. All they had is what God was giving them. But he gives songs. <laughs> and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. Because there comes a point in this process that this just won't cut it. I'm not mocking anybody, but I'm telling you when you're in that prison, you just don't care who hears you. When the doctor showed you the x-rays, you just don't care who hears you. When you look at the bank statement, you just don't care who hears you. All of a sudden you say, let them laugh if they want to. Let them make fun of me if they want to. But it's midnight. I'm in a bad situation. I'm going to sing praises. All right, just just a minute. I'm, I'm almost there. You be seated just a minute. We'll, we'll be back up in a second by the grace of the Lord. Now, what I'm about to say to you comes right out of the Scott Graham book of theories. This is not doctrine. I, this is this theory. You are made to respond to music. You can't even help yourself. They tell me in those rock concerts where you got some high school dropout playing one note on a bass guitar at 180 decibels for two hours. They tell me scientifically that the hearts of the people in that room begin to beat in rhythm to that music. Because your body responds to music. If I got that dude on the drums and I'm not going to, I got him up right now and turn him loose. He started going boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, chicka. You couldn't even help yourself. You would look down and your foot would be gone. You don't even have to like drums. You don't even have to love God. It just. And if you stop that one, this one. And if you manage to stop both of them, you, something's going to happen. You can't help yourself. You can't help it. It just doesn't. It. you just can't help it. You don't want to know why I think that is? Boy, I'm glad that's on camera. You want to know why I think that is? Because you're made in the image of your father. And your father responds to music. I just kind of wonder, when they started singing, if God didn't start going. Which wouldn't mean too much except heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. God started putting his foot down. 
many like God to put his foot down in your family? How many... How many would like God to put his foot down in your city, put his foot down in your finances, put his foot down in your health? Then you got to give him something. He can pat his foot. Come on, somebody, give him a song right now. Give it. God might just put his foot down in your church. He might just put his foot down in your ministry. He might just put his foot down in your health. He might stomp on that x-ray. He might stomp on that balance sheet. He might stomp on that mortgage. If you just give him something, he can pat his foot to. Sorry, but God can't pat his foot to this. No, but you show me somebody that in spite of their circumstances starts going, I love him. 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 And God can put his foot down in that situation. All right. I'll finish right here. I'll give you hope. A couple of years ago, the alarm clock went off in my room one morning. And my brain sent a message to my right hand that said, pick that demon-possessed thing up and fling it violently across the room. And my right hand, which had always been very obedient to me, rebelled. And it just laid there. Now, I'd had my hand go to sleep before where it tingled and where it hurt. But I'd never experienced this before. It wouldn't move. It would not move. It had no life at all. I mean, I, I play keyboards. The only time in my life I've been limp-wristed. Ever. I mean, I picked that thing up. Nothing. Dead. I had a prayer to have been laying on that thing for a long time. All I can tell you is, it had been under so much pressure... For so long that the strength of the blood had been cut off. I had two choices. I could accept that as permanent and just say, I guess it'll never happen again. Or I could do what I did. What I could not even feel. It didn't matter if I felt it or not. It was still there. It didn't matter if it could... If my song was still there. My victory was still there. My dance was still there. My shout was still there. I just had to... I just had to exercise... What I could not feel. And here's the good news. When I started doing what was right, even though I couldn't feel it, the blood started flowing. 
Healing started coming back. Motion started to return. And here I am tonight. And I got it all back. I wish somebody right now would begin to do something you don't even feel. I wish you'd begin to exercise what you don't feel. I don't feel like coming to the altar. Come down here anyway. I don't feel like getting out in the aisle. Get out there anyway. I don't feel like running. Run anyway. I don't feel like dancing. Dance anyway. Because you've got a name. You've got a name. Your name is victory. And God is still on your side.